Welcome to Women Who Startup Radio. This is the official Women Who Startup podcast, recorded right here in Denver at the tech studio inside the Cable Center. Season three is all about fundraising, and I'm officially coining this season as Show Us the Money. I'm your host, Lazelle Van Buren, the founder and CEO of Women Who Startup and Effectively Labs. Hey everybody, this is Lizelle and welcome to another episode of Women Who Startup Radio. In this episode, we speak with Kelly Hoey, someone that I absolutely love, bonafide investor, the author of her latest book, Build Your Dream Network. We're also joined by my hysterically funny and awesome, sometimes co-host, Krista Morgan, the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. Let's get into this. Krista Morgan is the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. Four years ago, I was living in London. I had a real job with a real paycheck. And all of a sudden, I learned about this type of business finance that they call factoring. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you could crowdfund that? And so we've been lending money for just under two years. We'd like to thank PWI for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Krista's company at pwi.com. I'd like to welcome Kelly Hoey as our guest for another episode of Women Who Startup Radio on season three, talking all about fundraising. Show us the money. Um, Kelly, welcome. Thank you. It is so good to have you on the show. Can you please introduce yourself, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive into a really fun rapid fire. So I'm the author of Build Your Dream Network. I'm a limited partner in two venture capital funds. One is Laconia Ventures and the other is Lattice Ventures. They're both based here in New York City. Uh, A limited partner means I'm an investor in a fund. I'm not making the investment decision. So we can can dive into that later as well. Um, Yeah. uh, What else about me? I started my career as an attorney. Um, and uh, moved into the management side of a big law firm and you know, had the good, good fortune of finding my calling in life and that was uh, hanging out with entrepreneurs and exploring different things to do. And finally, I think at the ripe old age of 51, I'm having fun with my career. So there we go. Wow. Well, that's an inspiration. Uh, incredible. Well, thank you again for being with us. Let's dive into a quick rapid fire this usually is just a lot of fun, get, get, uh, gives us another perspective and insight into um, our guests. So here we go. Kelly, where were you born? Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I had no idea. <laughs> What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Check Twitter. <laughs> God, I have the same <laughs> habit. <laughs> um, best daily ritual that you live by? Oh, listening to your body and going with the flow of what it wants to do. Good advice. The song that gets you through pretty much any bad day. Rock With You by Michael Jackson. Nice. Um, What's your favorite brand right now? Uh, Slow Factory, a female-founded startup in Brooklyn. Nice. Best book you've recently read or listened to? Hmm. Currently reading Cecilia Chang's The Seventh Daughter. Wow. 
Very cool. Uh, so the combination cookbook, life story. She was the, I want to say the, I don't know, the, the chef who got the U.S. really thinking about Chinese cuisine. It's ex- Her life was extraordinary. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. And final question, what is your life motto or mantra? Invest in the change you want to see in the world. God, who can say it any better? Thank you for the rapid fire. Let's get into a little bit of who you are as an investor, an author, a speaker. How did you end up becoming an investor? And are you, so you're invested in a few funds, a couple of funds, um, Mm -hmm. but you're also an angel investor or is it now just one or the other? Well, I mean, that's a great question to to ask, I think, anyone, and particularly if you're fundraising. Um, Angel investing to be the best you can possibly be in terms of helping the entrepreneur you've got to be fully committed to that. It's not a, a you know, a part-time or hobby activity other than you're not being uh, useful to the entrepreneur. And so when I realized that I was not going to have the time to dedicate to A, meeting with potential investments and B, really rolling up my sleeves with more investments than the, the handful or so of angel investments I did, do have, uh, that's when I became a limited partner uh, in two funds. Um, as uh, I want to say, as someone with, I want to say, capital in the markets, um, ignoring the early stage, I didn't think was a r- smart move just because I didn't have the time to be an angel investor. I didn't feel it was a smart move to ignore early stage as part of a balanced portfolio. And that's why I chose to become limited partner in the two funds. So one of the funds, they're very operational they, uh, in terms of hands-on um, operation, operations focused general partners. They get the, the limited partners quite involved in terms of transparency of what's going on, what's their, what are they looking at, how they conduct their due diligence and the involvement of um, uh, LPs as and when needed. Uh, and I would say regular quarterly meetings with the LPs and the portfolio companies. Mm. The other Lattice Ventures, um, is and they're late seed. Uh, the other lattice venture is much earlier in terms of seed stage investment. Uh, they invest in companies, startups that have uh, network effects mm. uh, and disrupt industry with with network effects. And when I say that, people are like, "Oh, I'm a network." No, mm. listen to the words. <laughs> network effect. Network effect is something like Twitter mm-hmm. that disrupted an industry with a network effect. So uh, the, the founders of that are both women. Uh, Brittany comes out of Union Square Ventures. So if you start thinking about, all right, what's their investment thesis? Yeah. Probably looks a lot like Union Square Ventures. And uh, Vanessa comes out of New York Angels. Um, and, uh, you know, that was particularly with, with Lattice Ventures, that was a question of the a situation of putting my money where my mouth is because uh, I had always um, – always sort of looked at and, and known Brittany and Vanessa since I really got involved in the New York startup community. And I said to them, if you two ever start a fund, mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, and, you know, that's it's, you know, I would say in some ways being an LP is no different than you know, the decision, you know, deciding which fund to invest in is no different than, you know, as an angel deciding which entrepreneur you're going to invest in. And true. Yeah. Both of those are the funds I'm invested in. These are um, first-time funds, but having known these people for a number of years, watched them, uh, their interactions, their um, the way they problem-solve, their critical thinking, you know, 
uh, how they operate within uh, the community. Uh, yeah, that's why I chose to chose to invest in them. That's so it's so awesome to hear because like I'm an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, uh, right now I'm fully obsessed and entrenched with, you know, launching women who start up as one of the largest platforms for female entrepreneurs and innovators to learn, engage, find support and get access to capital. But the interesting thing is, is I definitely have a vision and a, a huge desire down the road to to launch and soon actually to launch a woman who startup fund. And the interesting thing is, is me selling my ideas throughout the course of my career to potential investors is exactly how I'm going to have to treat the world when I'm trying to sell a venture fund to potential mm-hmm. invent in- investors. How I mm-hmm. mean, I would think Kelly, there there really aren't. Do you as a female LP? Do you then ask the questions of the general partners? Like, are you investing in women? Like, just given all the talk there is in not enough capital, not enough venture capital going to women, was that something that you were concerned about as you made those investments? Um, no, actually. Mm, <laughs> I mean, fair, okay, fair. Because <laughs> part of it is, it's like I want good investments, and right? So, and I want to, and I and I want a good return. And um, I want to say investing in people who I know take, you know, that that they're not stuck in a paradigm in terms of what they're looking at. Mm. Uh, And knowing that, you know, when with one fund you have two women um, who are out there looking at investments, uh, they have very different networks and very different experiences and they're going to look at things differently and i anticipate that they are going to have a very diverse portfolio on the basis of how they look at the world um laconia ventures they have hired i want to say it was their their one intern and you know this is i had breakfast with these guys recently and and they reminded me that they had met their intern who was their first hire, um, you know, as a analyst with the fund. Um, and it's a woman. They, they had met, met her because of me. And, um, you know, you now have this 22, 23-year-old um, young woman. Uh, I was pausing there because, you know, Sometimes these things, yep. I think, you know, you got to take the gender out of it. You've got this 22-year-old um, who is, you know, diving into the world of venture capital, um, getting a real hands-on experience and is building her own network and bringing deal flow that the guys in the fund are like, we wouldn't have seen this if we didn't have you. So I, I, so I, love, I, I love what I'm hearing, which is to say you could have chosen to put your money into all sorts of different funds, but you did choose to put your money into venture funds that are led by women based on, uh, you know, your your experience by watching their moral compass, their integrity, their skills, their strategic yeah, thinking. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're betting on the right horses uh, based well, on what you think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, sort of, it's it, like it parallels, you know, my decision to invest in these two funds. And, and you know, just to be clear, the one fund is is two guys who are the, at, at the moment, yeah. two, two guys who, who yeah. are the, the, the general partners, but um, you know the same way that investors decide which startups to invest in, LPs decide, you know, often decide, particularly LPs who are, you know, I want to say newer into the game. Yeah, LPs decide, you know, who they're going to invest in with funds. You know, some of it could be returns, but it could be experience. 
but it's also who do you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, who have you interacted with? And, you know, it's, it's not enough to come in, you know, for, for me, it wouldn't have been enough for, for either fund just to come in with, you know, a fancy deck and, you know, try and, you know, shake me down for an investment. Right. <laughs> which which kind of sounds the way startups often pitch. Right. You know, investors. Yeah. Like, I've known these, uh, you know, say all of these people since like 2011 and made a decision to invest a year ago. Gotcha. So let's let's let me ask you uh, a quick question. I mean, you've obviously been pitched from entrepreneurs for some time. I mean, I want I want to know uh, roughly like how many times have you been pitched by startup entrepreneurs and what have you learned as an investor about entrepreneurs, especially the first timers, you know, like the first time, because God knows, you know, you're green, you don't know what you're doing, you think every pitch is going to land you a dollar. Uh, what is something you can tell, especially to a listener right now who's like setting out sale, they're going to go raise their first dollar. You as a, you know, uh, not a retired investor, but an indirect <laughs> investor. A passive, a passive investor. A passive yeah. investor. An investor in investment. Um, uh, give us give us everything you've learned. Hit us with all of the stuff. You know, school us. Take us to school right now. <laughs> you know what? Here, here, and this is because I'm going to talk to you about something that landed in you know in front of me that I don't want to say literally today. Yeah. Um, startup founders don't listen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't know how many times I've said it. I don't know how many times I hear other entrepreneurs, say other investors say it. Um, we, we don't invest in a cold call and a pitch deck getting thrust in our face. Mm-hmm. And, and we say it and we spell it out and we, you know, we're not blogging and writing and doing all these things because we got nothing better to do with our time. We're putting out inf- information to educate entrepreneurs to say, here's, here's what you got to do. And here's the way you meet us. And here's how, you know, and, and they just don't do it. Mm. And, and, and I don't, you know, so for me, there's just no excuse anymore. I'm like, uh, whatever. So mm. I got a, a literally, and I'm sure I know which medium post this person had read because it had listed women investors. Mm. Uh, and I got an in-mail on LinkedIn that mm. said, I'm so glad I found you because of this medium post. By the way, would you like to invest in me or can you introduce me to people? Mm. Yeah. It's, and I'm uh, like, you, you imagine the profanities. That <laughs> well, but you're right. And I, you know, I, um, we've raised, so we've raised most, in fact, all angel money. And so I've, we have like, a ridiculous number of investors on our cap table. And, uh, but one of the things, so I constantly, I coach, like I coach a lot of new entrepreneurs about fundraising. And the one thing they all say to me is, well, that sounds like really hard work. I'm like, no yeah, shit, yeah, no, it, it's like, but it, but it's true. They're like, that sounds like really hard work. I'm like, yeah. Cause you gotta like understand your audience, build your network, build these connections, like build your materials, make sure your target, like you just, it, it's like time and they're like well how do I do that and run a company and you're like I I don't know what to tell you I just know that that's what you have to do <laughs> like, yeah and it's not well, for everyone yeah. yeah that's that's exactly that's what, you've hit the nail on the head he's like how do I do this and run a company it's like mm-hmm. you've got to realize you you've been through this it's like somebody is fundraising full-time but yeah. it's also full-time based on the fact that you have built 
a community that you 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 could start turning to. You also have to be building a company because it's not like VCs and angel investors are just sort of sitting there twiddling their thumbs waiting for a great deck to you know <laughs> right. come across the transom. They're out there watching entrepreneurs and they're researching the market and they're seeing who's coming up with the right solutions. Um, so you know, a cold call you know is it's rough. That it's not. It's just not going to happen. Agree. And, uh, you know, and the other thing is, I mean, uh, it's my friend Ray Walia, who's um, with Launch Academy in Vancouver, British Columbia. So this is this is his line, um, and I love it. Your best investment is a paying customer, mm-hmm. and so you know, like, how can you get to revenue? That's right. Yeah. And and if you can get to revenue, like really focus on that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, investors who start seeing startups who are making money, we're really going to pay attention to those ones. Uh, and then the other factor on it is, a, you know, uh, a female founder who I met when I was, um, I was saying, uh, speaking at an event, actually also happened to be in Canada. Um, and she had been kind of, I don't know, shamed or strong-armed into thinking that she had to raise money. She, her startup was making revenue, and she was. Everyone was like, "Oh, you're, you're unfunded. Like you're not a real startup kind of thing." So mm. she was. She was like, "Hey, you know, she wanted to call me because she was kind of getting frustrated with the fundraising process." And we started talking through it, and I said, "Let's just stop for a second. I said, "I'm going to be realistic here." probably going to fundraise and full-time take you away from your business because you've been sort of fundraising part-time uh fundraise full-time it's probably going to be four to six months let's i'm going to be really honest with you mm-hmm. you know until you, you know, you're truly in terms of regardless of the commitments and you negotiate and go back and all this you know find the other investors i said it's probably gonna be four to six months tell me if you focused four to six months on business development hmm. what do you what do you think you could do and she and she tells me the number. I said, really? That sounds an awful lot like your raise. What are you doing? <laughs> and and so, you know, if you're making revenue and you can really double down on that, the good the other good news in the, in that, you know, situation. So she stopped her fundraise, she focused on business development. A year or so later, she's like, I'm so glad I didn't raise money because the technology that I actually need looks a whole lot different now because of the learning I've done from this client base over the past year. Hmm. So that's, I mean, should you raise, when you should raise, and how much money you should raise? Because I think some people are raising too early and too much. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and you gotta gotta kind of think about that as well. I think it's that Silicon, sorry, I think it's that Silicon Valley effect, isn't it? That like you see these press releases of people that are just raising huge seed rounds and we think that's, we think that's normal. Um, And and we think that's how it has to go. Right. And I'm just like, no, I mean, I'm sort of, no, I I know we bemoan, I'm going to say the lack of funding going to women. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I think this is follow me here. I think the right the the right amount of, of startups, in terms of a percentage, are getting venture funding, and that's typically one to three percent of all startups that have the chance to pitch venture funds get any funding. I think the mix within that one to three percent is absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of not enough diversity, not enough diversity in terms of who the founders are, what the products are. 
Like we really need a machine attached to the internet that squeezes juice. Like give me a goddamn break. It's <laughs> the second person so far on this season that is ha- freaking out, well, losing their minds over lost, the juicer. We've lost, we've lost the plot, people. Like we seriously, we're solving not even first world problems. We're, we're solving and the and I, I value so that. Well, I well, value so much that we're having this dialogue. Like we are literally seeing half of this country without clean water. We are literally in a political like nightmare. We are literally seeing a world that could use more impact, that could use more diversity, inclusion, all sorts know, of innovations. We, we put 120 million into a juicer company. And I have nothing against this juicer. Let me be clear. Like I, I love it. Like it. no, no, no. Like I have nothing <laughs> against someone like hacking it out there being like creative and stuff, but that I think has a network effect. That was someone with a great fucking network. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I guess, Kelly, so, can can we just, can I just ask you this just because I know yeah. I want to get into your, your note, like, so please, how, like your book, but yes. how, like, don't you think the issue is that we're, that it, so much venture funding is predicated on your network and the network is in Silicon Valley and very much out of like Stanford and the sort of non-diverse area. Oh, like, yeah. is that the problem? And how do we change that? I mean, that's that's exactly it. I mean, you, you start getting these insular networks um, and you get people within networks who, you know, people within power um, positions who um, don't expand their network. And, they're, you know, they're staying within, you know, sort of start managing little gated communities and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I always look like it, you know, kind of people like me, like, it's our responsibility to have a curious mind and, you know, expand our networks and listen to people who don't look like us and talk, talk like us and yeah. haven't had the life, ex- same life experiences and, you know, all that kind of kind of thing. You know, how do we change that? Um, you got to get more people to the table with their money. That doesn't necessarily mean they need to be angel investors, but, you know, they should be LPs and funds. Mm-hmm. They should be sitting down with their financial advisors and questioning what what they're you know we we need to take a more active interest in what what our money is doing um i agree and 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 i think if you start doing that because then you're you're like you know i would say you know you you know the gps of the you know either of the funds i'm invested in comes and sits down with me and shows me what you know what their pipeline's been i can kind of go you know WTF? What are you doing? Why why, why are you investing in just this kind of stuff? Because I I come with a different, you know, kind of perspective and and view on what they should be investing in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to be more vocal and we need to get to the table with our money and, and demand answers to what it's going into. Hey, let's give a big thank you to the following sponsor. Maria Popo is the founder and CEO of MediaAmp at the Cable Center. Hi, I'm Maria Popo. I'm founder of MediaAmp at the Cable Center. MediaAmp at TCC is a co-working and innovation center on a beautiful Cable Center campus right next to the University of Denver. You can learn more about MediaAmp at the Cable Center at MediaAmpTCC.com. Do you find yourself mentoring other women investors? Because that's like another thing that's come up is just there, you know, there aren't enough women investors. So like I have 150 angel investors in our cap, on our cap table and like three are women, maybe four. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But as well, I, we, yeah, you know what? It's, here's why it's ridiculous. The largest wealth transfer 
in human history is happening right now. Yeah. And and in the next decade, 70% or more of the wealth in this country is going to be in the hands of women 50 and over. Mm-hmm. And I always laugh when I say that cuz say that you know start rattling off on this cuz usually I'm going to say like jokingly my Tourette's kicks in and the <laughs> F start flying but I often am, I'm often challenged by women on this. I love that I, I love that you're bringing this up right now because I want I want you to be straight up. Why the fuck are women not investing in women? But you know, you bring up this fact. If I said 70 percent of the wealth in in the next decade in the United States is going to be in the hands of men 50 and over, a group of women would just sit there and nod. As soon as you say it's going to be in the hands of women, they're all like, "Well, how how are they getting their money?" I'm I'm like. <laughs> Who the fuck cares? I don't think we're drug dealers. <laughs> We've got the money. What are we doing with that? Right? Right. Where did so, they right. get the money? Right. So they're like, where'd you get it? Like, we're earning that, it. That's we're so true. We're inheriting it. Where there's involuntary transfers. You know, hey, look at the divorce rate. Look at mm-hmm. divorce laws. Where's the money going? Mm-hmm. It's like, so we as women, what are we doing? So, you know, I'm like one of these people. And I'm like, don't complain to me that, uh, let me take an example. Don't complain to me that, um, you don't, you know, about CEOs who um, are sexist if you were an avid shopper in American apparel. I love this. You know, like... Wh- Invest in what you want to see in the world. Bingo. So if you like, don't talk to me about this. Oh, well, they've got a cute t-shirt. Well, they're assholes. So what What are you doing? Don't, don't complain I, to me. I agree. I like, so Uber, I mean, I was telling someone this yeah. the other day. They were like, blah, blah, Lyft. I was like, I only use Lyft. Like I refuse to, I uninstalled it from my right. phone and I will not support... This no, no, CEO no, that I think is a sexist jerk. So no, not wait, doing wait. it. <laughs> no, but you can't. You can't on Uber. You can't just delete on the phone. You gotta. You gotta contact them and delete your account. Oh, there you go. See, good advice. I've not done so that. No, because they can. Because in 2015, there was that. You saw that recent article. It was in 2015. Um, <laughs> uh, Cook called. Uh, you know, little Uber CEO in uh, and said, "We know what you're doing. You are still tracking." All the accounts, right. all the accounts, even if even after they've deleted um, sure. the app. Sure, no, no to my EA right now. No <laughs> to my- <laughs> <laughs> no, Seriously, it's like no, 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 no. And you know, people are like, oh, but I'm like, no, like, like, don't complain to me about these kind of injustices in the world when you have the ability on a day to day basis with your pocketbook to make a difference. I, do you think do you think it's just it's just a lack of awareness of where I'm where I'm spending my money or or is it just lazy or is it a combination of this this society and in the United States anyway is so busy we're so inundated with noise and overconsumption of the wrong things and it's a stressful climate like I'm not even going to downplay it's 2017 and I've never felt this stressed in my goddamn life on a political scale and I've lived in this country for 20 years I came here in the in the Clinton era, and then I lived through Bush, and then I lived through Obama, and now I'm living through, well, what we're living through, and, and it is what it is. But uh, it, it's a stressful climate and stuff, but you would imagine that people are realizing where they're spending their dollars, and I just don't see them caring. I think they're just trying to get through the day, and they're just trying to get to whatever, and they're just trying to pick up the kids, and they're trying to do this, and they're trying to do that. But at the end of the day, we are supporting things that don't have our interest in mind as people, right. not just even as women. Like, I mean, like as people, people, all right. people, people of color, the LGBTQ community, women in general, right. education in general, like all these amazing things. But anyway, you know, you, what, what are what is, what is your thoughts on that? <laughs> 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 I, I, 
I think I think we like things that are convenient. I'm gonna say we like it cheap and easy. Yeah. And and mm. so it's like there's a cost to that. Mm. And so you know, oh, but it's you know a cute T-shirt and it's inexpensive. Well, yeah. And then what's behind that? You know, child labor in Bangladesh and you know um, yeah, greenhouse gases. Like mm. it, we're making these choices until you know we as consumers. You know, in some ways, you know, I've got some fabulous gay boyfriends and one of them mm-hmm. in particular loves Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Are you, gotta, is you know he what? serious? Like, so, so, so it's like, you like, like, don't even talk to me about it. Like, don't complain to me about some of this other stuff, you know, and how you may be treated in the workplace when, you know, you with your dollars are fueling companies like that. So, hmm. you know, it's kind of like, wake up. We, we can make a difference if we, you know, move our spending habits. And I, and I, and, and I think it's more of like a, I want to say a North America thing. It's like, I don't know if we truly pay the true cost of what it is to have the life we do. Mm. You know, you think about, you know, people always have sticker shock when they go to Europe and they see gas prices. It's like, yeah, that might be a truer cost of what it is than what we pay here. Mm. Very interesting. I agree. Well, we've just moved costs around. I, you know, I, we haven't talked about this yet, but I'm Canadian. And so and right. I, lived, I lived in the UK and, you know, tax rates are higher, but then people are taking care of more distributed wealth. Like there's just, right. we're, that's just not our philosophy uh, here. No. Um, but so I Let's switch really, to the book. I really yeah. want to hear about the book. Yeah. So Let's switch tell to the us book. just <laughs> the book. And I know we've got in, we got deep political <laughs> into a oh, discussion. I know. We're sorry. We're going to totally switch gears only because this, I think the season is about fundraising and especially as we just talked about, you know, women don't, aren't necessarily connected into investor networks, right? It, it is mm-hmm. harder. And so how... Just can you tell us a little about the book and then just your view on networking and if we can work in yeah. some stuff on sort of women and networking and fundraising, yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, it's, and you know, I'm going to say sort of, sort of all this is all interesting because this would be the part in the interview where I move from being, you know, uh, you know, author as as investor to author as entrepreneur, because really there's no difference right now in what I'm doing than an entrepreneur trying to figure out if they've got product market fit. That's uh, right. And it's, and it's, and it's amusing to me. People will say to me, Hey, now that the book's done, what are you doing? I'm like, that's like <laughs> saying, it's like saying to an entrepreneur, now that your apps in the app store, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> right. And, right. And there's a sort of single minded drive. And, and I, what, what I would say is, you know, for, you know, kind of, and we'll jump, then I really will jump into the book. But, you know, for the entrepreneurs listening to this who are serious about fundraising, mm-hmm. then you need to be networking yourself to the world as doing one thing, and that's being a startup founder. Mm-hmm. And when I see a startup founder who says, oh, well, I'm a writer and I'm a speaker and I'm an influencer, and by the way, I've also got a startup. That's a warning sign. Mm. And it's one to me that I'm like, you can't be doing like, is the startup a hobby or is it your thing? Mm. Like, if you're a startup founder, you're a startup founder. And I know enough investors now that when they see profiles of, of startups who, you know, are, are doing like 12 things because they think, you know, running around speaking on panels and, you know, having a profile and talking about being a startup is somehow relevant. They're like, we won't even meet with them. Like the we not even interested. Wow. And so, so one of these things you got to think about is like, what are you really doing? Mm. Uh, what are you really focused on? And then, and yeah, this actually gets into the book now. Um, is like, how are you networking yourself to the world? Mm-hmm. 
and and how you're holding yourself out there and and for me networking um is every single human interaction it's not just you know cocktail parties and you know coffee dates and that kind of stuff so if you start looking at networking as every single human interaction it's you know it's your online profile it's if i do a google search what do i find out about you it's your voicemail it's your email it's your business card it's your choice of working in a co-working space or you know out of your home whatever it may be so you know if I was like a female entrepreneur listening to this, I would say, you know what, take an audit of every single interaction that you're having with other people. And are you networking yourself, holding yourself out there in the way that you want to be thought of and found? And with respect to investors, what are you doing to position yourself to get to know them? Because part of this is, you know, how do you get to know investors? Well, you know, you, you do your homework and you research them. Yeah. And then, you know, if you think of, networking and I often do think of it this way it's critical thinking and problem solving so you know if the investors you know are putting out blogs and stuff well start reading it start figuring out which ones are the ones you really want to get to know now where are they hanging out what are they doing mm. uh, who knows them where do you you know you might be like oh I like this co-working space well if the other one is you know not as nice but in the heart of where all these you know uh, investors are tripping over each other <laughs> change spaces right um, you know and and think about you know how and when you get their time I mean one of the examples I actually use in a book of, a, of an instance was um, and it was two female founders they were talking to um, uh, a VC who said listen I'm sorry I got to cut this short I've got to get out town um, I'm jumping on the subway um, and the entrepreneur said oh we're 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 kind of going that way too but we were going to get a cab and i'm like really <laughs> like are you an idiot you could have had like 20 minutes with five, them five more minutes and then like walk back to your next meeting like, i was like like dumbfounded like you got to be kidding me and i think you know you got to look at like what are the, where what are all those opportunities and um, you know, how and where do you get to know people? Because it's like, uh, you know, we've already touched on this. Things do come through the networks. So start, I mean, just as you map out your product, map out, you know, do your research, figure out which on which investors are your ideal ones. Um, you know, color code them based on where they're, you know, the, the state of their fund, because even if they are your, your ideal investor, if they're, you know, if their fund is at the wrong stage, just, you know, yeah, they're, they're not going to be there for the first round, but maybe you can get them on a, on a later round uh, and then start mapping out how you can get to know them. Right. And whether you need to build networks or new relationships, like just one relationship at a time and start doing that the minute you're starting to map out your product. Because, you know, you're going to have a better position if you're going to think you're going to get funding by doing that, then, you know, oh, I've got to close around in 30 days and you're scrambling around to meet investors. The world doesn't work that way. Mm. Now, most people don't know that. And so I want to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, are you a startup founder? Are you like a speaker, writer and, you know, sitting on panels? You know, I, I, I like agree with you and then also struggle because I do sit on as a startup founder, sit on a lot of panels and try to get that, call it free marketing, the word of mouth going by building my own community personality. And and so 
I'm like, am I doing it wrong? Well, so all of a sudden you sort of think to yourself, well, what am I networking out there? Am I networking out there that I'm a female founder? And then I would say to you as an investor, is that getting you customers or is that getting you investors? Because if mm. it's not getting you one of those two things, you shouldn't be, t- why in front of that audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I so, agree with so, you there. So, so, so if you are out there speaking at industry conference, if you're out there speaking about what the basis of your expertise is, because the basis of your expertise is what you're doing, uh, in, 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 it, it's what's drawn you to create you know, your startup. It is what's drawn you to solve this problem in the world. So if you're out there talking as the expert, you know, on, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you're at industry conferences and in front of potential, um, you know, customers, or you're on the panel that is in that is informing an audience, you know, uh, like an audience of investors on what is the trends in this sector, I think that's a smart move. Hmm. But if you're out there saying, oh, I should just be speaking on things or I should just be getting, you know, publicity for publicity's sake, I don't think that's a good idea. It's about being strategic. It's about right. it's about right. being, yeah, like as a CEO and a, a founder, you're you're out there. And, and I like I like those two dynamics. You're either there gaining customers or gaining investors. And hell, if you hit the right conference, you're probably in front of uh, some of both. Right. Mm. Right. So, and, I mean, and think about it this way, you know, this is not in any way to give a crutch to um, an investment investor community that looks pretty much the same way. Mm. But if you're sitting there on panels talking about how hard it is, you know, to be a female founder, how does, you know, just think about how that is taken in in the ears of a bunch of people. You're like, does this person talk about anything else? Are they, are they only going to complain? There was one female founder I know who used to constantly post, I want to say, negative things about the VC industry and how it operated, and then how stupid they were as, as to how they invested in her sector. Hmm. Uh, you, wh- like, you're like, this is an uncoachable entrepreneur. Like, mm. this, this, in terms of, and it was part of it, I think there is constructive criticism and there's things to, you know, things and ways to say things. But this entrepreneur just came across as like, difficult um i mean probably could find a whole bunch of other adjectives right uh and yeah we can say the world's unfair that if a guy was doing that they'd be like boy he's bold and all the rest of it but until we're in the room and we've got the money and we've been successful you know like let's just worry about getting in the room hmm yeah, wise words, stuff. wise words. I agree. Yeah. And it, well, and it's and here's what I I hear everything you're saying, but and and I I can just at least from my experience, it's yeah. hard partly because you get asked like to your point about not just going out and being a female founder, you know, for the sake of being a female founder. Like a lot of us get asked all the time because you have people trying to run panels. I mean, Lizelle and I can speak to this. Like we're probably in Denver, like. W- one of yeah. us is on like every single CEO female panel mm-hmm. and right. and it's and it's hard to how do you say no because they're like we want to showcase and talk about it so I I don't know it's I I get what you're saying and I agree it's hard yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it may be to say you know what this is the panel I want to have if you want to have me this is the panel I want to have and I will yeah, come I agree. to that so there was a mobile um 
tech conference down in D.C. and they wanted me to come and moderate um, a panel. Uh, they'd pick the panel. It was all women. They want to have a, you know, women in mobile technology panel. I said, I'd love the panel. I love the panelists. Um, I said, we're not having women in mobile panel. They said, what are we going to have? I said, we're going to have a how to have a kick-ass mobile career panel. Mm-hmm. Because this is going to be a predominantly male male audience. I said, we're not having the whatever. So they said, oh, okay. So we got I got on the phone call with the panelists. And they, you know, someone's like, oh, in this study, I said, we're not talking about any of that shit. This is what I want to know. I want to mm. know what your best, I want to know what your best hack is. I want to know what your coding languages you know. And I want to know what it takes to be successful working with you. That's what I want to know. And here's why this was important. Um, so we, we get there, we have this panel. Uh, said to one of the women, um, I said, uh, please tell me, is there a coding language you don't know? And she rolled her eyes, <laughs> sort of sighed, and she said, I really don't like coding in COBOL. Mm. <laughs> and the room stops because, like, who the fuck knows COBOL? This is ancient. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here, it's more important than that. She knew and was the expert at the, at the time and maybe one of the only few people out there. This, this was earlier, so we'll, we'll get to that. Who knew visual COBOL? Mm-hmm. And why it was important because I then said to her at one point, I said, Laura you want to explain to this audience how you want a Peabody? Isn't that a journalism award? Mm. If we'd had a women in tech panel, we wouldn't have had this come out. She, she, she'd said it she would say it was a team, but um, she knew visual COBOL. It was her. Mm. She coded the magic wall for CNN. Wow. If we'd had a woman in tech panel, we'd be talking about, Oh, how hard it is to get women in tech, whatever. Instead, we talked about her skills and expertise and exactly that, that, oh, wow, you can imagine a room of geeks. Mm. Someone says they nearly killed Wolf Blitzer because they were, you know, rushing to do something because the magic wall had gone down. I mean, everyone in that room wanted to work for her. Like, how friggin' cool is that? She coded the magic wall. Very cool. I, I, I really, I, I really love, love this. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> we, both yeah. we both We just it. got really excited. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're the ones that are always asking, change the conversation. Change the conversation. Exactly. I, th- I think there is so much weight uh, around making sure that when women are on a panel or on stage or visible or speaking as a leader or a founder or CEO or whatnot, that they are contributing to the conversation about how badass they are. They yeah. happen to be doing it in a female body. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and, and it's a tough juggle because we still have a lot of stuff to cover when it comes to inclusion and diversity. And it's not just about women, right? It is like across right. the board, we are sucking at making sure that people are feeling welcome and safe and included everywhere right. from you know marginalized communities to people of color to what, what not. And, but I think you, I mean, I think we can all put our money on the fact that if we're going to have women on stage, on panels, speaking, visible, uh, empowering, uh, you know, whatever they're working on and whatever they're building, let's really hone in on putting a spotlight on them so that they can tell their stories, their journeys, their innovations, their mm-hmm. skills, their strategies, their leadership, their ass-kicking abilities. I think that's big. And, and it's, you know, it's always been challenging for me because, like, I'm the founder of Women Who Start Up. You cannot imagine in four years, how much shit I've heard about, well, maybe you should change your name. And I'm like, really? To, to fucking what? <laughs> to like those of us that start up with these chromosomes? I mean, shut up. Like, I don't, I don't just want to talk about being a woman 
as a founder, I am amplifying and building a huge platform for female entrepreneurs and innovators. But what we're going to talk about is everything entrepreneurship, innovation, technology, kickassery, leadership, all that jazz. And we're going to do it and embody writing women back into history. Like, don't penalize that. Like, that's fucking cool. Well, I mean, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the eternal optimist, I know, you know, not to circle back on, you know, politics and stuff. Please do. You know, maybe, maybe <laughs> you know, for me, like a slight silver lining on the, the just chaos and atrocity that is a political situation right now is that there is now a broader gener- broader generations of women who really see what the problem is. And I think before the Trump presidency, there was a lot of millennial women in particular were like, well, you know, there's no problem. And, you know, some of us who are older, you know, the 50 plus crowd, people are, you know, you're sort of sitting there going, come on, you got to have a little, you know, respect here. And you don't realize like, you know, what has gone in to fight for this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of this for me now is, is like, yeah, we need to be having these conversations. We need outlets Mm -hmm. like this where people can air these different views, because at the end of the day, we, we all want to get to the same place and we've got to work together We've got to respect each other's different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to get over the fact that we as women all have to like each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just need to, to realize like, all right, together we have immense power. What the hell are we doing with it? That's and, right. and moving, you know, so that, you know, we're going to get to 50-50 on the, these things if we as women work together, which is not to say being palsy or all the rest of it, but... We work together to, to, to get our businesses and our interests into the right place. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's that's huge. So um, if someone wants to read your book, uh, tell us again your book name, your website, y- y- how the heck they all learn the- from you, your, if you have a oh, blog. <laughs> all, that, all that good stuff. So the book is called Build Your Dream Network. Um, it's available at, you know, all you know, every favorite retailer. Um, <laughs> um you name it, go to your, your e- e- e-retailer or, you know, Audible if you want to listen to it that way, but then you'll miss out on the really great graphic. Mm-hmm. It's a very case study driven book so that, you know, no one can say, oh, I'm an introvert or I'm this or I live in Denver. I can't do that. Um, it mm-hmm. is, you know, really lays it out in, in numerous case studies from crowdfunding to, you know, building your business to landing on a national board um and you know i'm gonna say do what i say in the in the introduction crack the spine highlight it write in it use it do it um and um you know there's i'm gonna say my website is j kelly hoey so j k e l l y h o e y at dot co and uh, i do have a weekly newsletter that i put out all sorts of insights and pet peeves so nice anyone everyone want anyone wants to know what i'm thinking it's out there <laughs> and when in do- and when in doubt find me on twitter at uh, jk hoey that's awesome so for every guest I like to use what I call kind of like our motto, our slogan. It's kind of a philosophy. It's the way we live and it's keep climbing. So I want to know from you, Kelly, what inspires you to keep climbing? What does that mean to you? And I love early in the show, you you called your own age out, which I love. And I feel, I feel like you're just getting started. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's getting, <laughs> what is inspiring you to just like, 
bulldoze the next most maybe important part of your career and stuff like what's next what keeps inspiring you for what's next all that stuff I don't know. You just got to embrace where you're at and not worry about, oh, gee, I didn't make my first million at 30 and I didn't do this. Um, you know, real re- look look and see what your community say, sees in you. Uh, and and that's what you should be focused on. And that might be your special sauce, your your secret. And for me, what keeps me climbing is is my network. Uh, they have were the ones who, you know, cheered me on and or breathe a sigh of relief when I finally figured out what I should be doing, which is writing a goddamn book. Um, and when I, you know, I think the biggest thing that keeps me climbing is, um, I would say in the Simon Sinek way, my why is to help others become successful. And when people come up and see me and tell me that something I've said or something that they've read of mine or they've read my book and it's made a difference and helped them, that's what keeps me climbing. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Kelly. This is a real as insightful. I got schooled. Yeah, I, I was too. like hanging me on too. every word. I'm like, I'm so great. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not. <laughs> like, oh shit. We're both writing down 20 million notes. Yeah. We're so like, okay, thank we you for this. sharing your insights. And I feel like we got your just real honest opinions today. And that was awesome. That was awesome. You know, yeah. <laughs> at, this age, at this age, I can't give anything else but honest opinions. Well, so. we love it. We love it. <laughs> Hey, if I ever asked you to come out to a Women's Startup Summit here in Denver, would you be game? Absolutely. Right on. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you busy in September? <laughs> send me the date. Okay, I will. We'll send you an email. Listen, Kelly, thank you for your time. Thank you for your inspiration. Thank you for your insight. Keep kicking ass. Keep building great networks. Um, we're thrilled to have you here on the show. I hope every listener um, goes and reads your book just so that they can really understand the power of building out your network, whether investing or not and otherwise. Thank you for everything. Take care and keep climbing. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Women Who Startup Radio. To learn more about Women Who Startup, please visit womenwhostartup.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel inspired to share it everywhere and to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Take care of yourselves, my friend. And as always, keep climbing.